right, Union of the Unwanted back November 13th, 2023. Ricky, take it away. <laughs> What's up, guys? Another Union of the Unwanted. We attempted live stream these every other Monday on Rockfin. And then you can find the video and audio versions of uh, these episodes on just about all the major platforms. So uh, it's on Odyssey also for free. I know some people complain about the premium thing, but uh, it, but the audio is also available for free everywhere on Spotify, Apple, uh, wherever, iTunes, wherever you uh, listen to your audio podcast. So definitely check that out. And uh, and then also we have a link tree. You, you'll find that in the show description. It'll have links to all our social media accounts, our personal websites, all that type of stuff. So definitely check that out. If you want to get merch, you can also get merch there. And uh, today we have some, uh, we're going to have probably some mix of new guests and familiar guests, uh, like uh, most of these episodes. But we want to talk about a little bit about the geopolitical stuff that's going on in the world. A lot of shows are doing, you know, opinionated episodes on the Middle East, on Russia, Ukraine, all that type of stuff. And because this show is always so unique with perspectives and people from all aspects of the world and all different point of views and backgrounds, I thought it'd be great to do what we do best. And that's kind of brainstorm, you know, throw out perspectives and opinions and and bounce them off one another and get a true open discussion. Because a lot of these debates that we've been seeing have been, hey, I defend one team, you defend the other team, and and that's it. And it's it's not really um, people trying to understand each other's perspectives and and try to uh, get a better understanding of what's really going on in the world. So um, with that said, I don't know if anybody wants to kind of you know, give me their two. Se- okay, Charlie. I'll, I'll jump in just really quick because the way that the timing of this lined up, Ricky, it was kind of synchronistic with uh, my conversation with Makia Freeman, who was just on, and I, I guess apparently just dropped off. I was gonna, I was gonna talk him in because his episode of macroaggressions just went out last, uh, just went out yesterday, and it was. One of those, when you have one of those interviews with somebody and like, while you're in the middle of it, you're like, holy shit, this dude is just dropping humongous information packets for everyone to, in a very reasonable, rational way. And when you, when we sort of talked about why we wanted this show to, uh, you know, why we wanted to focus on on, on this topic, you know, I thought I gotta, I gotta have Makia come in and talk about it because he was just so, you know, he just made so much sense of such a really polarizing and energized, um, topic that's like getting people fired or getting like people, you know, defunded or colleges or, you know, I mean, it's just been, it's been crazy. And when he reconnects, then I'll, I'll introduce him back in, but that uh, well, from from that conversation, uh, what did you take from it? Did it affect your perspective or opinion on maybe the Israel Palestine conversation? <clears throat> well, well, what it did was it it we were talking about the really unfortunate parallels between the where we are right now and the lead up to World War One with these. seemingly small little skirmishes that have legally binding mutual defense agreements with other nations 
And then one fight turns into a gang fight. You know what I mean? And it like legally. And we know about that with NATO and Article 5. And how if you, ta- you attack one, you basically attack everybody. So like everybody's all in. And we were just talking about how there were some, how it had the po- possibility to draw in additional groups into this skirmish, right? And by drawing one in, now it's like everything's exponential because now you have to take into account their security arrangements. Who do they, who's loyal to them? This new group that, you know, Hezbollah comes in, you know what I mean? So it's like, he just kind of laid it out in a way that I thought made a lot of sense in, in saying like, all right, no, and this is how, unfortunately, this is how World War One started off was with, you know, it's like Serbia and uh, Austria, right? And they get into the, you know, and then next thing you know, it's like everybody's in. And of course, let's, it should go without saying the bankers are a common denominator too. I mean, come on, that that's, that's a, an obvious thread here as well. But just the way these, these mutual defense agreements played in uh it it it's just setting it up for the dominoes to kind of connect and take out a you know drawing a huge group so that's what we were talking about and i thought it was um you know just just something to consider that that you know and and i'm not trying to speak world war three into existence by saying that it's got a lot of similarities to the beginning of world war one but i'm just i'm just pointing out that that things happen quickly right and that and sometimes they happen legally and what a shitty way to go to war right because you legally have to i mean i, I mean as if war's ba- bad enough you have to make it legally binding oh it's so fucking disgusting just on its face and uh Makia, well, are a- you Mickey are you there i'm sorry because i was i was sort of inter- i was trying to introduce you in and you dropped out and yeah, and the reason oh, I'm glad you're Makia's in in Hawaii and we're glad to have you uh, for the first time here because I was just telling them that you and I had like a really reasonable conversation about what was going on in the Middle East and and how we were pointing out some of the similarities of how World War One kicked off because of these mutual defense agreements and how it, the current atmosphere present present similar problems in in what we thought might uh i don't know maybe how we should view that yeah absolutely um all these entanglements all these uh, foreign alliances are very dangerous because a, a little skirmish a, a tiny little fight can suddenly erupt into a regional war or even a world war and we've seen iran grow closer and closer to russia and china and um it's it's uh it's looking really dangerous now. I mean, uh, since we spoke, Charlie, the 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 battles only increased. Um, Hezbollah is attacking Israel, and Israel's attacking Hezbollah. And um, you know, the, there's there's still a real potential for other countries to get involved. Um, I mean, the U.S. has moved all its you know a lot of important ships there, submarines, even uh, carrier groups. They've they've struck um, Syria. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot going on there right now. It's it's a powder keg. Steve. 
Oh, I was just nodding in agreement. I mean, I I, I was I saw uh, just this morning that the U.S. had engaged in airstrikes in Syria again. Um, we're seeing uh, we're seeing a, a lot of both sidesing coming out of the mouth of Erdogan right now. Turkey's been recently putting pressure on the U.S. to to talk to Israel and be like, hey, you know how you're conducting a genocide in front of God and the rest of the world on live TV? You know how you turn Twitter into a 24-7 snuff film? Could you back off a little bit on that? People are starting to notice. So it, it it's it's one of those things where if if russia really decides to sneeze and let's be honest i think we we're all well aware that russia really hasn't engaged with the full force of their military in ukraine they've got a lot of reserves they've got a lot of troops that have already been stationed in the region and in uh eastern africa for a very long time the these are people who i think you were talking on uh your conversation with Machia, the, the agreements that russia has not just with iran but with syria as well long standing um where they've actually been able to bark down israel on a number of occasions although that has not stopped israel from conducting illegal airstrike after illegal airstrike all over syria um because maybe there's a hezbollah convoy so we had to blow up a lot, you know, um, but it's it, it. what what I find fascinating is the forcing of everyone who isn't actively engaged in the conflict to pick a side and that you're either it's the exact you guys were talking about this. We've been talking about it since the beginning, since they came out and said October 7th is 9-11, but for Israel or Joe Biden said October 7th was 15 9-11s. <laughs> and then they said a million D. Yeah. And then they said Hamas equals ISIS. Oh, yeah. well, you're telling me that that's a Western intelligence backed organization that is working in concert to help achieve, you know, further the the at least the great reset goals. Yeah, I I can shut up for a minute though. It was, but you guys, you guys had a fascinating. You, seriously, if you're listening right now, you didn't listen to the conversation Charlie and, and Makia had. Very, very, very uh, informative, uh, insightful. It was, it was a good one. I agree, man. I we while we were recording it, I was like, damn, this is this is gonna, I think, explain things in a way that the Western listen. The Western media is skewed. You know, we only get like, where are the good guys? Where uh, they, they've struck our uh, U.S. bases. It's like, and where are these U.S. bases? Well, they're in Syria. Uh, are they allowed to be in Syria? Well, no, we're stealing all their oil. But I mean, they attacked us. Well, it's like, well, of course they fucking attacked you. Why wouldn't they attack you? What the hell are you doing in Syria? Are we not? We're not allowed to talk about this. So, I mean, again, it's like what the mainstream media, corporate horror media does is they frame it in such a way that, that you, you have no context. You're not even allowed to to point out the fact that the U.S. bases that are being attacked are in fucking Syria, <laughs> you know, which makes all the difference in the story. You know, it's the story. Well, yeah, it's, it's just so biased. I mean, well, you know, the. 
the powerful interests that control Israel have have made a point of of controlling the Western governments and the media, and and so it, it takes a lot of effort to get an, an unbiased perspective on things. But I, I really, if, if if there's one or two key things I think people need to understand about this whole thing is to look at at this incident that happened on October seventh and ask the key questions. And one of the key questions is, how on earth did a, a small country that is incredibly technologically advanced that sells software programs and surveillance technology and all of this stuff to the rest of the world that has like super duper high tech along the fence all around its border. How on earth did they not see this coming? Did they not know it was coming? And did they not respond for seven hours? So who had the power to give a stand down order that allowed Palestinians to, to infiltrate? I mean, with things like tractors and hang gliders and to just do what they wanted to do for hours and hours and hours, and there there was no response for six to seven hours. That is absolutely unthinkable. And Israeli people, sold, former soldiers, former intelligence workers have said as much. I mean, listen to what Efrad Fenixen said about it. Listen to what other Israeli commanders have said. It's, it's, it just could not have happened unless it was orchestrated to happen. And it is exactly like 9-11 and other, other false flag operations. They don't just happen out of, out of uh, thin air. You don't just get this kind of lapse of a security response unless it's deliberately calculated and designed to do that. So, I mean, it's, it's a very obvious point once you see it, but yet we're still there's still so much of the world that is not even questioning this. It's just going along like, oh yeah, Hamas did this, okay, oh, so Israel's got to like respond. And then another, another key point to consider is the atrocity propaganda. So often what happens is people can come out with wild untruths and exaggerations, and then it turns out later, well, okay, that was completely false and there was no evidence for it, but people don't really follow the story up. Whatever, whatever gets reported in the spur of the moment when people are in a emotionally reactive mood kind of stays, gets imprinted in their brains, right? And they don't really always come back and go, well, wait a minute, was that true? So we were told that Hamas was baking babies and raping women and doing all this stuff, beheading people. Well, okay, it turns out every single one of those was false. It was, it was all just more of the atrocity propaganda, which is another hallmark of what happens in these wars, where uh, one side gets control of the media, it plants these stories, it demonizes the, the other country or ethnicity and paints them as like wild animals that deserve what, what they, they should get. And people don't question it again. And so Israel has basically been able to get away with this, and then they've gone in, and now the death toll in Gaza is something over 10,000, uh, over an alleged attack that, well, not an alleged attack, an attack, but that killed around 1,400 people, we're told. So um, I, I watched a, um, an Egyptian comedian who is married to a Palestinian wife. Who did, he did a show on Piers Morgan. It was very funny because he was he had all this dark humor and he was saying, "Look, I just guys, I just want to know what the exchange rate is. You know, every every year the exchange rate's a bit different. It kind of fluctuates like crypto. Like one year, like thirty Palestinian lives are worth one Israeli life, and the next year it's like two hundred. Like, is it, what's it worth now? Is it like four hundred, five hundred? I just I just want everyone to be happy. I just want to know how many, how many Palestinians have to die for like you guys to be happy. And like he was he was kind of joking around like that about it, but but it's true. I mean, like. Okay, so 14, uh, you know, all civilian deaths are horrific, no matter what country they're from, no matter what religion or ethnicity, it's all horrific. But if 1,400 Israelis have died and now we're over 10,000 Gazans, like at what point um, does this become kind of equal, you know? And then even, even, even Israel was pushing it too hard when they bombed a couple of weeks ago this area where it killed, it killed 50 Palestinians. And they said, oh, well, well, you know, there was a Hamas commander there, so that's our justification for it. And even people that are pro-Israel were kind of shaking their heads, going, "Well, wait a minute! Like, even that seems like a little bit too much for me." Um, Dennis Kucinich, who quit or resigned as uh, RFK's campaign manager, wrote an article on Substack, and he said, "Well, let's look at the mathematics of this. 
if you're killing 50 Palestinians for every one Hamas, Hamas is apparently 40,000 strong. So by according to that kind of mathematical logic, you would have to kill all 2 million of the Palestinians, basically the entire population of Gaza, to completely eradicate Hamas, which is apparently Israel's mission right now. So, um, yeah, the whole, the whole thing is just... Um, it's it's insane and it's it's it was orchestrated. It's given Israel its excuse to do what it wants to do. And um, I'll just throw in another piece of information here before I turn it over to you guys. But um, there is information coming out that uh, Israel is planning to build a canal that's going to rival the Suez Canal called the Ben Gurion Canal, and they want to basically connect the Red Sea to the Mediterranean, have it run through Israel so that they can make a lot of money off it. I mean, it's it's a huge thing where ships don't have to go around the bottom point of Africa they can cut through from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean um, and uh, Gaza's kind of in the way of that plan and so um, if you check out my latest video I kind of show a map and um, apparently this has been thought of a, a long time ago there were documents that were drawn up a long time ago and they've been declassified and you can kind of see see what the plan is and I, I don't think that's the only factor going on here but I think it's, it's worth considering. Yeah well listen no matter what there's definitely an information war happening Right, we we see that on all sides, and it feels very junior varsity on some levels. You know, some of the propaganda is downright embarrassing, and um, the, the psychological operations are 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 kind of you know laughable. But this is this is it, man. That we're we're having to, you know, we're getting it. We're getting it every way they can give it to us. You know, they're just blatantly lying to us every single night through the mainstream media. And people are, I don't know, are they waking up to this? Is it even for the dumbed down normies? Is it, is it, is if, something clicking or am I too optimistic? To those, if you're listening to those news reports, they say acts of anti Semitism are through the roof all over the place. So, I mean, obviously people are paying attention to what's going on, right? They're treating it like a football game. I've seen. They, oh my God. Have you seen? Have you seen the clip we've been playing on the the morning show yeah. where it's uh, it's Fox um, covering the war, but it's set to uh, NFL Sunday football music. <laughs> Is that legit? No, I, I bet you there's no that. difference. Oh my God! Yeah, I bet. Da -da 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 -da. I thought someone put that in as a clip. Honestly, they would honestly do. Oh my God. Yeah, it's 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 sad that, and that's how a lot of Americans, my opinion, because of hubris, we've never been attacked on our soils. We treat war like a fucking football game. I bet you Domino's order shoots through the wharf. Budweiser sells a shit out of Budweiser, and you got a bunch of ignorant sons of bitches. Excuse my expression. Treating this like a game. People are dying, right, in horrific conditions. These people don't under have never been in a fist fight. You know, I've known a lot of people in battle that have come back. And one thing they talk about, the smell, the smell of war. These are things these people don't even consider. So I think it's atrocious what's happening. I think it's the manifestations of plans and agendas that have been in existence for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And what we're seeing with all these disparate disasters from weather freak things like Anarchopoco, oh, by the way, ground zero for the event, and my condo, thank you very much, wars, all these things, I think 
are being controlled in a sublime way by hidden hand, whether that be one or multiple people. And now, shit's starting to hit the fan. Call me crazy, but that's just what I see coming down the pipe right now. And it scares the shit out of me some, sometimes. It really does. <laughs> we all hesitated to jump in because we're being too polite. <laughs> oh, no, no. Sorry. I was wondering, God, did I just like bum everybody out, put them to no, sleep? No, no, no. But uh, no, I'm so I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen a lot of this, like the, the debates. And actually, Pierce Morgan, I give him some credit. He's had people on both sides of the argument, and he's he seems to maybe even care about giving equal, you know, uh, opportunities to both sides of the argument. Um, he's had people like Loki on, and and you know, Jank, even though Jank's horrendous, and uh. And he's also had people on the other side, you know, so he's, he's had a, uh, he has had people on both sides, but I do see like it, it, it to me, it seems a little concerning when it, it a, a lot of the argument is like, who's worse, you know, and it's like, oh, well, you know, to me, it's like, I don't know, is, does that counterproductive even having that specific discussion? It wasn't even a part of the conversation until your Theodore Herzl fucking death cult went and formed a political party, got involved in a real estate deal in the Mediterranean. It, the people lived next to each other for thousands of years. It, uh, I don't know. During the Ottoman Empire, without a doubt, I mean, people, people don't realize that during the Ottoman Empire, a lot of different people lived near each other in somewhat peaceful times, right? And then it wasn't until... You know, they wanted to disband the Ottoman Empire and the French and the English went in there and really, you know, promised everybody land and, uh, you know, carved up the Middle East and had the Skype's Peacot Agreement and all these things. And um, that it really destabilized the Middle East to a whole nother, you know, level. And, and then really just for the purpose of never really having intentions of stabilizing it. I mean, there's no interest in stabilizing it. And so, yeah, with, without a doubt, but I'm seeing a lot of this like, you know, well, they kill this many people. Well, they kill that many people. And, and it's just like, at the end of the day, it's like, it's all a proxy war. And it's all like the people who are telling you they care about what's going on don't, you know, it's like, it's in, it, and, and again, like to some of the really crucial questions, like, okay, well, is, did Israel let it happen? And historically, did, we've seen a lot of things like this. Like, you know, you look at the Russian apartments, uh, fires. I don't know if you guys remember that story where they blamed on the Chechnyans and come to find out like all the explosives and, uh, you know, the stuff that were causing the fires came from like the, the Russian military. And it, it just, you see a lot of, and obviously like, you know, Pearl Harbor, you know, they let it happen. And over and over again, there's, you know, evidence of, people letting something horrific happen for the for in their eyes for the greater good of whatever their plan is and you know those are crucial points it's hard to to sit back and sympathize with you know israel when it's it, it seems like okay they might have well no, i shouldn't say israel is Israel, because I don't mean the people, I mean like the government, you know, the ones who are, you know, trying to get people on, uh, you know, during interviews and on TV to really be upset about the, you know, the events when internally they, they probably had some intel and a lot of people 
were asking very important questions like how how with Mossad and all the intel you have and 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 how you know what's going on everywhere how did this happen and yet they want to kind of bypass that conversation and say hey let's forget about how it happened let's just focus on what the next step is and the next step is revenge you know and to me that's concerning but um i mean wh- what do you guys think about this debate i mean is there is there two sides of this i mean how how are you when you see these these back and forths and and whatnot how how are you taking it in and you know how much of it is actually a valid argument and how much of it's just propaganda you know for a greater purpose i've taken i mean Uh, oh i'm sorry make a go ahead okay i was just gonna say i mean yeah i think in some ways when we're talking about um you know, innocent civilians being killed, there, there shouldn't be any sides. I mean, all, all, all kind of murder, all genocide, all, all death is horrific, and it's not like one one race, one country, should their lives should be more important. Um, but I, I think there's kind of an added dimension to this whole thing, and that is that the, the Israelis and the Palestinians are not kind of on equal footing, because it's really like a settler-colonial uh, colonialism kind of relationship where the Gazans are trapped in this open-air prison it's like a concentration camp. There's, there's only a couple of um, checkpoints at which they can leave. Um, Israel's done things to them like control the amount of food and they've actually counted the amount of calories that go into there sometimes just so they can keep the Gazans, you know, just, just surviving, but, but not, not any more than that. And they've, you know, they're, they're surveilled all the time and all of this. So it's, and Israel has the ability to turn off their, their water, their electricity, their internet, like all of that. So we're not talking about an equal relationship here. Um, that's, that's something to keep in mind for sure. But, um, you know, I, I think another another dimension on this that can help us take take it out of this like which which side is better kind of thing because that's a really shallow way of looking at it is we're, we're really entering a phase of of history where we have to look at things as governments trying to control their own citizens and this is what fifth generation warfare is we've we've moved out into we've been through first the second third generation warfare now we're looking at how governments basically control. Uh, they use like economic warfare, cyber warfare, um, all sorts of other realms. Information is a huge one, informational warfare to, to basically gain an advantage against other countries. But they also do that to gain an advantage against their own citizenry. And I definitely see this happening here because I don't believe the Israeli government really cares about the Israeli citizens. Look at what they did to them during COVID, during the whole scandemic. I mean, um, Netanyahu was boasting about how he turned, he actually said the word lab. He turned Israel into like a lab for Pfizer where they, the vaccine got rolled out and they were giving all the results to Pfizer, right? So, the, and, and they, they were pushing that thing really hard, all those like health passports, digital like vaccine certificate things where you couldn't go to the gym or you couldn't go to the movies or grocery store even like if you didn't have it. It was really advanced in Israel before the scandemic started, started to kind of fall apart. Um, so pretty horrific for people that didn't want to get the vaccine. Um, so I don't, I don't believe that Israel really cares about its own citizens. And there were reports that came out by Max Blumenthal in the Grey Zone and other areas where he, he looked at uh, what happened on October 7th, and, and we found that there were actually Israeli IDF forces that were firing on their own citizens. And some of the, um, the people that were captured by Hamas said as much as well. So we don't even know about this alleged 1,300 or 1,400 people that got killed. We don't know how many were even killed by Hamas and how many were killed by Israel themselves to make it look like it was horrific and, you know, to, to kind of give themselves more justification to invade Gaza. Um, and then on the other hand, like, I also look at Hamas and I wonder how, how can Hamas be really um, uh, representing its citizens? Because it's, it's just, it's going along with this thing. Like, I don't know to what degree it's controlled, but it's, it's obviously some form, of, some form of controlled opposition. It goes into Israel and it launches its attack. What does it think is going to happen? 
I mean, look look at what Israel normally does. To, to, to think Israel is just going to turn a blind eye to this? No, of course they're not. So Hamas must have known that Israel is going to launch, strike back with all sorts of fury. And how does that help the Palestinians? I mean, now, now like, all the Palestinian civilians are, like, living in even more terror. And Israel is, like, flying over, dropping leaflets, saying, hey, if, if you're a Palestinian civilian, you better move to the south because we're going in for the north. We're going into Gaza City. So, like, how does how does this possibly serve and the average Palestinian what Hamas did? So, I don't I don't really see either either side um, really representing their citizens, and I, I'm I'm seeing this again in the West with what the government's doing to their own citizens. So, I, I kind of see that we're moving into a phase of history where it's it's really not about you know countries so much. It's it's about citizens in all countries having a lot more in common with each other than with their governments. He's, you've been uh, patiently waiting. Do you want to put in your two cents? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, everyone's offered a lot of really wonderful stuff so far. And so far as the uh, clusterfuck situation we're in, how genocidal it is and how it was very much a deliberate concoction at the behest of governments, not just in the short term, but going back for a very long time. Uh, I mean, when you understand the First World War, it was cooked into being at the behest of the Anglo-American establishment in order to crush Germany to redraw the map via the Treaty of Versailles, which itself was just a 20-year rearmament building up to the Second World War, funded into existence by Wall Street, with a lot of different occultist and esoteric underpinnings to it to kind of bastardize belief systems that were um, promising on behalf of the betterment of the species prior to that kind of emergence an example of that is like what is now called the swastika used to be called the heart of buddha so anytime you go into war you taint through association and you sort of paint with blood and that's that's what we always march into and it's very much by design and that's what we're looking at right now because you can look at a country like israel i mean it's a saying that everyone's dabbling in more and more because of the colonial and organized crime roots of it as well as the roth you know rothschilds helping to bring that country into being is that it's a country so fake they had to name it is real just to get you to believe in it and that's because it's kind of just been dumped in the map in a horrific way i mean if people take exception to that they were offered uganda they were offered a number of different places under colonialism where they could try and find a home but they wanted that one in particular because it's a part of a holy war dynamic now what that means is that that's a powder keg that's been set into place in order to erupt later on and that's what we're looking at right now and that's what's been brooding in the middle east you can look at the creation of the muslim brotherhood and religious fanaticism the house of Saud being appointed through the divine right of kings in other words they just found the most bloodthirsty fuck up warlords they possibly could told them that they were kings as long as they continued to behead anyone who wanted to keep oil from mi6 so if you get into that and then you go even further back, it just becomes a bunch of shit where it's just the passing of war crime to war crime to war crime until eventually it just becomes a fucking drumbeat that we've all been beaten around with so long that it's the only thing we know how to live under. And like uh, Micaiah was saying, it really is just governments controlling their people. So at this point in history, the only thing anyone can actually do that's reasonable is to stop listening to anything your government say or do because they are evil and they have turned against you and at the exact same time as all this shit that i just laid down every single government on earth is looking for a proxy war to distract from the fact that it's just murdered its own population via the COVID injection so the last thing they want is people to catch wise to that shit they need a lot of things blowing up to distract from it that's my you, a you asked ricky 
Mm-hmm. Now, is anybody, is anybody concerned about how pro-Palestine the left is? Because anytime the left is this emotionally invested in anything, it makes me nervous. You know, because... <laughs> Okay, there's the there's the legitimate concern that people uh, have about an ongoing genocide, which is right. And that gets people out in the streets historically in much smaller numbers than what we have now. But that combined with a and, you know, establishment left deep state fucking operation to classify most of us as terrorists that's what what's going on in tandem with it fucking your average your average harvard kid who i guarantee fucking to you more jewish students tore down posters than pro hamas students that's just something that happens when Zionists collaborate to draw attention to themselves. But I mean, that is how you take your average college student. They're not a threat to really anybody. You know what I mean? But if you pump them up full of the same like psyop juice that they did with the trans community, then you can get a bunch of uppity retards storming a lecture or, you know, causing some sort of property damage or something like that. What's more concerning to me is that there are dozens of members of Congress with dual Israeli citizenship and one member of Congress that comes from the West or has family from the West Bank or some shit like that. So if we're talking about like what's proportionate and disproportionate, uh, the outsized influence that the Zionist mafia has in the United States of America is incredibly disproportionate to anything a bunch of, you know, 109 pound skinny jean, blue haired freaking weirdos are going to come up with. Well, yeah, the, the Palestinian pack in Washington D.C. isn't all that strong. It, if there is, if there is any legit threat by the pro-Palestinian faction in the U.S., it's going to come from the heavily moneyed. And it's going to come from the exact same faction that when Bibby talks about how if you want to put an end to the Palestinian state, you'll help me continue to fund Hamas. It's that entity within the U.S. establishment that would put forth any sort of actual violence. And I think that that's a possibility as we get closer to the uh, inevitable cancellation of the 2024 election. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't either. That's, I don't know whether to laugh or cry. It's a funny time we're living in, you know, we're running out of conspiracy theories, guys. We're running out, man. We got to work. We got to get some more going because all these damn things are coming true. Bigfoot is responsible for the Hamas tunnels. There you go. And they picked up the tunnels and they moved them under San Francisco. And when Xi Jinping touches foot on the ground in San Francisco for that APEC conference, then the Hamas tunnel Bigfoot dwelling terrorists 
are going to rise up, join their communist leader, uh, and start to overthrow us from the West Coast uh, over to D.C. That way, they'll have been able to stop by all of the colleges and universities on the way to D.C. to wrap up all of the blue-haired goons in order to get them to march for Chinese communist Hamas. The irony of being in university systems where you have the opportunity to learn about history and choosing to be so ignorant of history at the same time is what's baffling to me. Because if they were to study actual history, not this imaginary horseshit that they want to talk to us about, they would learn that they are playing the role of the brown shirts in this and that at some point they get put up against the wall and taken out. It's not just it's not me saying that that should happen. It's Yuri Bezmenov talking about this through the handbook. It's the Nazis doing this. It's it, there's a long history. That's how it ends. It, the but you you could you could find this information at the university that you're at, but you're in your safe space, and it's just hilarious and and fitting and just almost too perfect that. You'll be the last people to figure it out, you know, until, as Jury said, they put you up against the wall. Yeah, it's like the the Red Brigade, brown shirts, Hitler, Jugend, all of these groups that just did atrocious things in the name of justice, because that's what they thought was just, is to slaughter people. And the sad thing is, like you said, history, history, history. Those are the first morons to go. And they don't even know it. They're braiding their own rope and they're even putting it around their neck and they're just yanking it away saying, we're just, we're righteous. Then if they get their wish, well, up against the wall, motherfucker. Up against the wall. I hope everyone appreciates how normal it is right now. Yeah. Because I don't know that this is necessarily guaranteed. As Steve kind of jokingly said, like, you know, no elections. If there's no elections, there's a big fucking reason why there's no elections, right? And that and big reason big is problem. probably extra scary, right? Because that's usually what works. And I don't know what it is. I'm not going to theorize, but I mean, you know, it'll be something, right? So, like, I, wrap I, up your, you know, get your get your shit organized, <laughs> right, yeah. while you can. Trust me, the laws probably exist on a national emergency level to where they can just, just do it legally, say no elections because national emergency, we're under war, whatever it is. Oh, we got a new strain of COVID, guys. And oh, I'm sure. Signed that, that, that treaty with the WHO. So, you know, it's not our fault. Mistakes were made, like you say, Charlie. Mistakes were made. Yeah. Blame the WHO for everybody dropping dead like flies. If well, mistakes were made were an organization, it would be the WHO. It would well, I think most of us would agree that the scamdemic was, you know, one of the reasons why it was below. Uh, there's many reasons why they did what they did. I mean, it could population control. It was, you know, uh, obviously big pharma profits and, and control of, uh, of those uh, departments and agencies and having all that influence on what, you know, what people were injecting into humans and whatnot. But there's also, I think one of the motivations also was probably election motivated, right? Like they were trying to have a impact on uh, the Trump election with the next potential Trump election around the corner. There is, I mean, personally, there, I'm, I'm a little curious on how far they'll go this time to make sure that doesn't happen. 
Is there, I, I mean, have you guys thought about that? And, and also, is there some concern about like some of these, um, you know, cold, you know, wars, I guess you could say, like, uh, turning into hot wars with all these, uh, proxy little, uh, you know, conflicts going on all over the world and, and the lengths, like we said, uh, governments and, and would go to spark something in their interest. We talked about McKee and I talked about that, how, you know, that it's always a great distraction from a financial collapse, right? I mean, you, you can paper over a lot of mistakes with a, with a massive war, right? Get to generate a new economy based off of it, get to paper over a lot of, you know, the commercial impending commercial real estate collapse, the BRICS currencies chipping away at the petrodollar reserve currency. All these things, you know, all of a sudden, if there's a war, it's like it takes the focus off of that, right? Yeah, That's I mean, they've made movies about this. Remember Wag the Dog, you know, that was the whole movie was about that. So, so let's invent a war so we can, like, you know, distract. And, um, you know, as far as the, the, the 2024 presidential elections, I mean, yeah, I've, I've I've heard a lot of people predict for years, oh, you know, this might be the one where they don't hold elections. And I mean, I guess it's always a possibility, you know, they have the COG, the continuity of government plans in place. Um, but on the other hand, you know, the, the ruling class that, that's above all of this, they, they've got a really nice system going where they, they have these like fake elections that are utterly fraudulent, like the, the, the whole vote is rigged. And it kind of keeps keeps the population pacified. And if they don't do it, then they're kind of risking people waking up a little bit more and going, hey, what's going on? We're meant to have elections. So that you know, I, I think it would need to be pretty extreme for them to to kind of call it off, honestly. Oh, I agree. I agree. I agree. I do. Uh, and so this is what there there's a number of different things that are happening. Uh, impending financial crash, notwithstanding there there's uh, I mean, people have been getting gouged over their heating bills. We're getting ready to go into another one there. There uh it's untenable without relief for too much of the country right now. So whatever series of multiple distractions continues to come this way, everybody remembers, right? Like six weeks ago when they tried to shove aliens down our throat again and everybody went, eh. Oh, no, Steve, Steve, Steve. So I want to start a bet right now, picking up off on that thread. How far into the deliberately created World War III until the fake alien invasion or fake alien saviors comes to stop everybody i'm i'm putting my money on about one year's time or some sort of occult like ritualistic period after the beginning everyone else place your bets now let's get Blue this on beam here. kicks off right after the spring equinox 2024 sure why not why not i say 333 days after the first fire or the shot is fired of the war 333 days and 33 seconds We'll look up in the sky and we'll see the benevolent angels of the universe coming down to save us and tell us how bad we are. Mm. Wow, the Nephilim look just like Jared Leto. Yeah, they do, don't they? Cut them big old chins. And, you know. <laughs> well, they're pretty obsessed with the 2030 date. I mean, everything seems to be pointing back to that. So who knows? They may launch Blue Beam right before then. And and that's the other thing, too, that we do have to consider is that Maki is absolutely right. There are there's long term gamed out plans that we've all taken a look at in terms of 2030, 2050. And I understand that their benchmarks or goals, outlines, wish list, whatever. 
but in their minds, it's gamed out at least that far. So you've got to get there somehow. Although this is something that everybody's kind of identified throughout the show already. The concept of nation states is eroded. And this is something that we've said on Slow News Day for years. Until you get your head around the fact that nation states exist in people's heads right now is just a final measure of distraction before you tell them that, oh, no, it really is. It's a global economy. It's a, you know, we're all we're all stakeholders. We're all in it together in this one world that we govern. But it's. You know, Steve, it's not world government. It's world governance. <laughs> Which, Better. Right. Steve, Steve, there'll be no more wars. There'll be no more need to have nuclear bombs and chemical weapons. See? We will live together in harmony. Kumbaya. So in, the, in the line built in the Saudi Arabian desert, you won't need to go much further than you're out of your line. To 15 minute cities. What, did, what else do you need? If they can bring it to me in a 15-minute city and have a little joint, so what? Well, Shit, hey, I'll look, and if you... And I'll be happy. If you get out of line, well, then you die in the desert. That is don't true. Don't get out of line. That's true. Yeah. Well... Yeah, Charlie, I like what you said about history, though, because, I mean, so much of it does come back to history. If we just understand what has really happened, even in just the last hundred years, let alone the last 2,000, we can see it's just plays itself out again and again and again. And, and um, I'm reminded of, say, the Roman Republic. Like, they tried to have this republic for a couple of hundred years, maybe, but it kept, you know, there kept being these really strong generals that tried to overtake it by force and turn it into a dictatorship until finally, like, the whole thing just collapsed. And then the first emperor was basically like, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna bring you peace. Let's just let's forget this whole republic idea. Just, I'll, I'll be the boss, but there'll be peace, so you don't have to worry. And, like, then it just kind of died. And then there was just a series of emperors for, like, hundreds of years. And, I mean, that's that's always how, how it arises, isn't it? There's always someone that promises safety or peace or protection or whatever and wants to get all the power. It's just frustrating because there's so many people that are distracted with nonsense. And I think, and we're all, I think, victims of that, guilty of that. But like, God, like, could you please just please just for a minute, wake up to the possibility of central bank digital currencies and just understand what happens if that becomes normalized? Like, it's over for us. Like, so I know you're in Normieville and I know you're really happy there. And but like, please do not participate in this to the extent that you can just make it difficult because, you know, so because I'm frustrated at how many people are sleepwalking through it, but. I, I guess maybe they just need to actually see it until until it actually happens. They can't conceptualize it. And uh, and then by that time, you know, you're scanning your palm at 7-Eleven to buy lottery tickets. Well, that's if you have the carbon credits or, I mean, the that's right. <laughs> carbon credits. But if not, I know a lot of for you, Jack. Of course. I forgot. Yes, of course. I think that frightens me just as much as war does. Um, I mean, it's a psychological war, right? Yeah, just think about it. They could they could completely control every aspect of your life, everything, the region, what you buy, when you buy, how much you buy, and then if you don't do this, don't take an injection, you don't do that or this, then you don't get your carbon credits, or you can only get them within two minutes of your uh, of your home, 
right? So, of course, there's an Aldi's all over the place, but that's about it. So get your fresh groceries at Aldi's. Get your good fructose, current, whatever those things are. It's just, yeah. I don't know. It's fri- It's actually frightening. I mean, I'm being a little facetious, but the reality, it just goes back not to be preachy, not to be religious. But, you know, I think back um, in the Bible when it talks about revelations and things like that, whether it's a game plan or what, man, no man shall sell or uh, buy or sell least he have the number of the beast type of stuff. And, we're now living in a time when the technology exists to make that a reality. And not only does it, they're doing it right in front of our faces and making it look cool, trendy. Hey, you can go down. I, I saw something on, I think, not sure what it might've, might've been even, um, AM wake up about a new digital ad or wallet thrive or thrive or something like that. And at first I thought it was a little parody, right? Tales. Tales. Yes. Tales. And it's all how it's great. It'll tell you what to do, when to do. And uh, yeah, it was, Steve. It was on yours because you brought up the point that says, it allows me. It allows. And just that language, because language is power, really, to me, says something about the technology and where they want to bring it, man. You know? Where they want to bring it. It's not good, gentlemen. Not good. That's because government's a death cult. It's all it is. All it's ever been. It's literally there to kill you. It's never been there for anything else. If you look at the etymology of it, the govern part means control. The meant part, that means mind. So it's mind control. That's what it's there for. It's to mind control you into killing yourself because you don't need to shoot other people if you convince them to put shots in themselves. That's where we're at. It's a death cult. Stop obeying the death cult. Everybody, that's how to make it so this stops playing out over and over again throughout all of history. Because as it is right now, we go through these stupid fucking death cult like war ceremonies, these Babylonian blood sacrifices, and we come out of it with our heads still up our asses. So, gee, I wonder if it's going to happen again. And as long as we continue to play into the system, stop, stop doing it, people. Dear God. Yeah. So I got to tell you real quick, I had to hop up a second ago because there was a hummingbird trapped in the plastic out there. It was like rolled up to to let airflow go through and a freaking hum. I'm, I don't know if you guys could see it in the camera, but yeah, there was a hummingbird that had like got itself stuck. There shouldn't be hummingbirds when it's this cold out anyway. But that was I, I got super like nervous there for a minute. Like, oh, if that hummingbird suffocates right behind me, I'm going to feel really bad. I'm going to feel really bad. Well, it's a good thing you have a good heart, my friend. Feel good. Free the hummingbird. Free the hummer. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, obviously, you look throughout history, like the Afghan wars, the uh, Korean wars, like there's always, uh, you know, uh, um, sides, empires, uh, funding one side or the other for their own uh, incentives, uh, the Vietnam War, whatever it may be. Uh, how, what's going on in the Middle East now? Who do you think benefits most uh, not just obviously the two parties involved, but uh, the outside parties, you know, China, Russia, the U.S., um, you know, Saudi, uh, who, you know, who else do you think could be involved in this and and looking to uh, spark these conflicts for their own interests? 
I mean, I, I think Israel obviously benefits greatly. It's been wanting to expand its land. Uh, there's the whole Greater Israel Project, um, you know, eventually trying to take enough land to go from the Nile to the Euphrates. Um, and, you know, they've been, they've, they've been, they've had their eye on the, um, gas fields off, offshore from Gaza for a while. Um, so to me, I, I don't really see any of the other countries in the area benefiting from this. I mean, it's, it's just a, another conflict that could erupt into a regional war, and that's a scary prospect. But, uh, for Israel, it's, it's what they've been wanting. They've, they've, they've been wanting the excuse to kind of go into Gaza and, you know, invade it even more, and uh, now they have the justification. So, um, but I mean, you know, on, on a bigger level, someone mentioned earlier in this that um, that the Rothschild connection to Israel. So the Rothschilds, obviously, one of the most powerful New World Order families, and they're the ones that set up Israel. Right? When you when you go way back and look at like 1897 and the the Zionist Convention and all of that, and then getting the British to kind of do the Belfort Declaration, um, promising them the land, and like all of this. So they've they've had their hand in the, in the creation of it all the way through, and so. Um, it's it's just part of a grander plan. That's what we're seeing playing out. Part of a, a huge plan that's centuries long, maybe even thousands of years long, to to kind of bring all these countries together into conflict and then meld them together into a world government. Can't wait. Sounds like fun. Well, because that's the that's the thing, right? I, you you there's no there's no possibility of anybody ever being able to suggest anything as remotely ridiculous as a two state solution after this, right? And Israel, the entire time that they've been occupying Palestine, uh, has said that they would like to drive the Palestinians into the sea. Uh, so they're trying, you know, I mean, they, if you, we've all seen the maps of, of what Palestine was prior to 1947 and what it's become as occupied Palestine under a Zionist death cult. So I uh, the, the idea that there could ever be anything like a two state solution when there's whatever's left of Gaza all, you know, five miles by 25 miles of it. And then the West Bank, where they've been at will just raining down terror for the last 75 years. Uh, how does are, this end? Like, what, like, where this can't the continue? Well, this is a strangulation, right? Here's the thing invasion. stupid alien and the like, put your bets down, Charlie, but that's how this ends. They're this bad of writers. I wish I was fucking joking. <laughs> I mean, look, the the ideal outcome is the complete dissolution of the state of Israel. Good. I mean, but is is that is that it, what if it becomes common knowledge to every Israeli that they let it happen? Well, how could how, it, it's, it's got to be common knowledge in Israel right now. It's got to be the Israeli press has been talking about it. Egypt can't shut up about it. The Jordanians know. The Lebanese know. The Syrians know. Everybody fucking knows. Benjamin Netanyahu was on his ass out the door. They had to stay... Right jump behind the scenes during covid to help orchestrate that shit and make some money but he was ducking an ethics investigation on the way he gets back into office he goes okay we're going to reform the judicial system so that i can never get in trouble again and there were fucking people in the streets for months over this 
Yeah. And then all of the sudden, on the what fiftieth anniversary uh, of the Ramadan, the fire. We control the height of the flame. Yeah. We control the height of the flame. That's what BB said. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, he's he's a, a particularly egregious example of corruption. Isn't he? I mean, he's just um, unbelievable. But um, but I, I think kind of what you were you, what you were asking earlier, Charlie. How does this end? Um, I I see amidst all of this, you know, horrible stuff we've been talking about. I do see some positive signs, and that's when the citizens of of certain countries, especially from there, like when when Jews and Israelis and Arabs get together and they're like, we're not going to fight, we're not going to hate each other, regardless of what our governments say, we're not going to do it, and um, and there are, I have seen things like that happen where there's this certain, like Jews and Arabs that get together in certain towns and they're like, we're just going to sit together and eat together like normal people and we're going to forget all this political stuff. We're just humans at the end of the day. Um, or when it happens in other countries as well. And that's that's what, it's such a simple act sometimes that it gives me real heart to see people aren't buying into all these like fake, um, you know, boxes and divisions that they've been like tried, you know, programmed to do. That's, that's when it really ends. When people start standing together and go, no, we're not going to hate. We're not going to like fall for this. Um, or when I see Israeli mothers go, you know what, my son just got killed by Hamas, but I don't want revenge. I just want this to stop. I'm not going to hate anyone. I'm not going to call for any revenge. Just stop it. And um, or when Palestinian mothers go, you know what, my my child just got killed, but I have more in common with like the Israeli mother who lost her son than like my own government. So, so stuff like that. When people start to realize like, the connection that we all have, that's that's when it ends. Humanity wins. That's how it ends with humanity, with people just saying, we're done with this stuff. This is, you don't represent us anymore. Fuck you. You, we're dissolving our allegiance to this government, this horse shit. And we're just going to be human beings. And I'm not going to hate this person just because you tell me to. Then, then what? Well, then right. what do they do? Like, right? So they, they, they are, they are in power because they need, because we allow them to be in power. And one of the reasons why they justify their existence is through constant fear, right? So the minute you show them an, a, a blatant false flag to the general public, it's like showing the, a, the, the magician's trick, right? Like it doesn't work anymore. You can't use, you can't go back to that trick ever again. So the people are aware now. So I wonder if ever there was a time for for humanity to kind of come together. When you look at this and you go, they wanted this to happen. They made it happen so that they could do what they wanted to do, which was destroy your place. You know what I mean? Once people, once the light bulb goes on, you go, oh my God. Like, is the world just going to turn on them? Is that possible? I don't think so. I, I feel like most people in the U.S. know that the, that the government probably let 9-11 happen or had some hand in it or had, you know, like, and I don't, I don't Stakes see. Stakes were made, Ricky. Well, you know, what's crazy. It's like, remember when the 28 pages were redacted and, uh, and then it came out and then it's like, oh, the Saudis, our allies had a hand. <laughs> And it's like not even disputed. You can't even argue it. It's obvious, by the way, Obama made it absolutely impossible for families uh, to even sue the Saudis and, and uh, after this. And it's like you expect an uproar. Like, look, this the facade of of, you know, of this whole thing is now unraveled. And now it's obvious that the U.S. didn't go 
to Iraq because of September 11th. The U.S. didn't get involved in Afghanistan because of September 11th. They didn't go after bin Laden, you know, allegedly because of September 11th. It was all a facade. You know, they got money uh, or um, their allies uh, were had their hand in this and they never once pointed any spotlight on the Saudis. If anything, they've deflected attention off the Saudis this whole time, knowingly. And so, so many times these things unravel and you think like there's going to be this uproar of anger and there isn't. It's just like they understand that people have horrendous long-term memories or, you know, they've created a world of children with ADD and if you can like we keep saying as long as they stay distracted they'll move on to the next thing and they'll completely forget that you know they were lied to and 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 that people who are coming back you know from Iraq and Afghanistan with PTSD and and lost limbs and and you know and some people who don't come back and the families are crying uh the the government that that lied about the weapons of mass destruction and and lied about you know, who was funding the terrorists and lied about, uh, you know, if they did or did not have intel about this possibly happening, just shrug their shoulders and go, oops, my bad, we'll do better next time, you know, and it's like, and they move on and they don't care. And, you know, so again, like, it's just, it's one of these things that I wish people could unite you know, and be anti-war together because it is like one of those few topics and subjects that, you know, you get libertarians like Scott Horton, who, who is super passionate about it, you know, and, and Dave Smith. And you also get, you know, lefties, you know, like Abby Martins and, and others who are super passionate about this. And it's like, you would think we could unite over this, but even like on, in this conflict, they've done such a good job of divide and conquer that now you have like, you know, the left completely, you know, uh, uh, being super anti Israel and you have the right being super pro Israel. And there's like no, nothing in, in the middle. There's no, I mean, the, Pierce Morgan, I gave Pierce Morgan credit for attempting to have people from both sides of the argument. But it's, it's, uh, but even then it just seems like one of those Christian versus atheist debates where it's just like, you know, that nobody's going to come to a conclusion or nobody's going to give the other person credit when they actually make a valid point. It's just, it's just going to be a, a smear campaign. It's like, I'm on here to make you look bad. You're on here to make me look bad. And really it just becomes a useless discussion. That's a really good way of putting it. I like, I actually like, cause yeah, in the pre-existing paradigm, it is a useless discussion. It's literally just pitting people against one another so that all they do is look out for their own ego, their own vested interest in a nation state. Like, and your earlier point, even if the indictment of Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11 did come out, it's still a limited hangout. So it's one of those things where it isn't ultimately going to get to the root of it. And so if we try and get to the root of all of this, within the pre-existing paradigm, it's not possible to come to a solution. We've all kind of just basically agreed upon that based on what we were saying with this being a long-standing plan that is incrementally being pushed to the forefront, whether or not people are consenting to it, it's still being done to them. So then what is the paradigm that exists that we can reach wherein this kind of thing doesn't continue to happen over and over again? And I'm going to bring to the forefront a couple of incidences in history that will shed light on that. That'll give people hope and a point of understanding on a deeper level for what we can actually do. And that's something that I mentioned over and over again is called the Maharishi effect. And what that is, is when you get the square root of 1% of any geographic population practicing advanced meditation techniques, what that does is it lowers the overall violent crime. 
and it increases the holistic health of the population in that geographic region. So what that means is that you're intimately connected to other people through your thoughts, through the degree to which you practice meditation. You're able to make it so that there is less violence around you based on how much you're able to calm down yourself and then spread that through a ripple effect to your fellow man. That's very, very important. The World Peace Project was going into the most war-torn regions on the planet and practicing this when those places were about to erupt into war. And every single time, the conflict was resolved within a week or two. And some instances, the people were doing their advanced meditation techniques in hotels, and all the other hotels in the city were burned down except for theirs. So the idea that things work within the materialist lens isn't accurate. It's not how things actually work. It's more sophisticated. And you look at the way in which we subscribe or prescribe laws the subjective notion of what government tells us is or is not moral based on drawing invisible lines on the ground and says hey on that side of that line that's immoral and on this side of this line it's moral that's completely insane morality is objective and it's inherent to nature so the more in which we understand what morality is the more in which we take a stand in accordance with what morality is and the more in which we understand we're all intimately entwined with one another even at a distance the more in which we actually save the world. So that's building off the paradigm we're at, the one we need to get to. There's layers. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love what you said there. That, yeah, that is that is great stuff. Um, unfortunately, i got to go now, but I just want to thank you all for um, allowing me the opportunity to come on today. Plug your, um, plug your website, please, and your book as well so that people can find your work and support it. Yeah, I'm at the freedomarticles.com. That's my main site. I have uh, my videos up on Rumble and Odyssey. And then I released my uh, huge book, Break Your Chain, 750 pages, where I go into like all of this stuff, all the background of these geopolitics, wars, global government, and offer solutions along the lines of what the piece was just saying, um, where we have to we have to raise our consciousness. If we're looking at really the ultimate solutions, yeah, there, there's different solutions we can do to like resist uh, tyranny and, and that, that kind of thing. But it, it's got to come down to us raising our consciousness and putting out, um, you know, creating the kind of communities and worlds we want with with all, but also just like in our hearts, like how we how we kind of act and and, and allowing that to radiate out to 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 the rest of the world. Like it's got to, it's got to come from that. So um, totally on board with you, Tease. Thanks for sharing that. So yeah, uh, my books break your chains. Uh, it's it's available on Amazon as an ebook or paperback. Thanks for coming. We appreciate you, and I appreciate you coming on Macroaggressions. That was that was a, a really hardcore conversation. I'm glad we had it. Thanks so much. Yeah, cool. Yeah, let's do it again. All right. Be well. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Um, Ricky, have you been getting into this a lot on your show? This topic. No, it's funny because I've been so busy with, with just life stuff, you know, just uh, in my personal life that it's just I, I have a p- conversation I have with uh, I don't know if you guys know who he is. He uh, uh, his name's Pasta, um, but real nice guy. I don't trust him. He's Italian. And, um, but he was on the show recently. Obviously, I love pasta, but he was on recently. Um, and, uh, it's funny because I always say that. And then people are like, you married an Italian. I'm like, yeah, I keep my enemies close. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, I, I had him on and we, um, I recorded it like two weeks ago, I, I believe. And I, I hopefully can get it re- uh, released in the next 24 hours. I'm, I'm really close to uh, finally doing the editing and and whatever and get the intro done and and get all that stuff. But 
yeah, I, I got into it mostly because I just wanted to talk about it. But I, I found myself still being kind of like a spectator, you know, because it's like these topics, there's, there's a lot to them, you know, and there's a lot of layers. And, and I'm, I'm always very hesitant because I, I grew up, you know, I grew up being like, I, I talked with pasta about like, I low key was one of my favorite rappers growing up and his perspective on the world was, uh, you know, one that I subscribed to and, and especially what's going on in the Middle East. Um, Abby Martin. I mean, I used to, wake up and go to work every day and and uh and i had a, a tablet that i used to play breaking the set on every morning before i went to work and just kind of catch up on what was going on and and while i was getting my coffee and getting things ready for work and um you know i i really you know liked hearing their perspectives and and that point of view and it seemed like a suppress perspective and point of view and then uh you know and and but and then there's always a concern about like okay um have i picked a team am am, am i sometimes seeing every you know conflict every issue every uh every story related to this from that team's perspective and uh so like i i think i've i've constantly throughout the years like done try to do a good job of like every once in a while like pumping the brakes and and thinking like okay what's the other side saying are they making any valid points um and and you know and 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 again these things are 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 complex i mean there's so many historical things rabbit holes you can go down um you know you hear stuff like oh you know how, or, or you know israel has proposed you know dual state uh uh um, numerous of times historically or, or there's you know all these you know and they're like oh really okay let me look into that okay and then um you look at oh you know uh it just you're just so much you know and then historically uh you know who who controls the land right who who deserves the land it's like to me it's like it's almost kind of a silly discussion to have but you hear people have those discussions and and then you always seem to come to the same conclusion that like everything is a proxy war and it's people trying to control other people you know and and i'm even curious if the the zionists themselves uh truly believe that they want the land for you know those religious beliefs or just like religion has been used throughout history in in many different occasions it's just not very religious people trying to use it to control the very religious people you know and you see that over and over again where you know there's just like wow these you know these christians who are telling us that you know they're fighting for christian beliefs don't seem very christian you know where these these muslim leaders you know who are who, who are controlling these these uh you know terrorist groups they don't the leaders don't seem very you know into their religion that supposedly they're they're fighting for so it's like it, it just again they're just there's so much and this is kind of the the issue we live in today and maybe we've always lived in it but like today because you know in in modern times because we have so much access to information and so many different perspectives and opinions and and so many different rabbit holes we can go down like i almost constantly live in a state of information overload where i'm just like i don't know what to do with all this like and and i'm i'm just being completely honest I, actually i think uh you know i talked to mel k this afternoon and i was hoping she was going to come on because i think she would give us maybe a, a different or 
you know, her take and, and I, and I wanted to hear her take and I wanted to, um, get that side of the uh, perspective on. But, you know, I, I feel like both extremes are dangerous. Like you do see the Kanye West who, who think like all Jews are, are bad, or at least that's what he's, seems to be saying at, at times and then you get the like alex jones who talks about new world order but never talks about any jewish connection you know and it's just like okay well is this just like like where's the middle ground and and you know and how do we find that middle ground and um so yeah i mean i i just feel like sometimes it's just all overwhelming complex and confusing can I offer some middle, or if not middle ground, at least just the, what, what we, what we can definitely prove? And what we can definitely prove is that a political entity has taken the, the complete and total residency in so much of the population, the political philosophy has that Orthodox Jewish rabbis get raided by the IDF because they speak out against what is they're the, I guess, the anti war lefties of their, you know, as far as that goes, bring it back to what we were talking about earlier. So if that's your minority and your prevailing non-civilian because the vast majority are uh not active duty but former service members you don't really have a civilian you know, like it, it's weird man it's weird but it's just it's so it's so pervasive the political philosophy that it makes it difficult to have a a genuinely theological conversation if that makes any sense. Well, I think it's um, a comparison of Judaism and Zionism. And so many of the people conflate the two, but they're actually separate. One's a religious organization, and the other is a political organization with a lot of religion mixed into it. I, I've asked the same question to every Muslim and every Christian and every Hindu. Where the fuck are you when it comes to speaking out for atrocities, period? Well, you know, and they, they fucking, it's just, it, they, it, if it's not there, then it's not the religion. It's the overriding political philosophy. Well, the problem is, is that people get caught up in religion and they lose sight of the divine. And historically... Religion is one of the most powerful tools for social control throughout history. Sadly, yeah. though, and I think, Ricky, you might have brought this up, you know, um, you have a lot of non-secular psychopaths, if you will, who float to the top, who cloak themselves in the religion du jour, and they control the religious people below them. And like secret societies, those at the top, agendas are never known except to the few. And they're really good at putting on a show. Just look at the Shriners driving those old go-karts going around with those hats, raising money for children. So, yeah, it's sadly, I wish there was an easy answer to it. I think one thing that you were talking about, Ricky, is discernment. 
I think that's very important. I think it's important to learn history. I think it's important to look at all views, but from an observational standpoint. And one of the keys that I've used to throw up a red flag about propaganda is that emotional response. If I get a hardcore emotional response to a message, that usually makes me want to step back and go through the who, what, when, and where's of what that message was meant to be. And sometimes it was a good message, but a lot of times I've found the more hardcore emotional hit that it gives to the audience, the better, the stronger, and the highest technology of propaganda is being used. Now, Mel, right before you joined the call, I was literally saying, I hope Mel joins the call. And then magically you appeared. So thank you so oh, much. Wow. The powerful Mel K is with us tonight and uh always thank a on and uh but we we were we've been trying to for the last like uh I don't know like hour and fifteen minutes we've been tr- trying to discuss all the layers all the complex um just rabbit holes that you can go down in regards to uh some of the Middle Eastern conflicts everything from you know the question marks about was it let happen was it not right. uh, concerns about uh the divide and conquering by getting uh people on the right saying you know israel is always in the right and then people from the left saying palestine is always in the right and and kind of dumbing down these discussions we went into some of the historical um you know uh, of examples of of constantly causing conflict in the middle east and and not really having any intentions of stabilizing and and just always wanting to keep it destabilized to right. for the, you know for many different purposes but uh before i ramble on uh, well, do you do you have? A, of course, you have a take. Mel always has a take. <laughs> do you have a take on on? Uh, uh, yeah, I have a take. I don't. I honestly, this is what I thought from the beginning, and I still think it right now. I don't think this has anything to do with Israel. I don't think it has anything to do with Jews or Palestinians or Ukrainians or Russians. I don't think it has anything to do with any of that. I think this is another layer and another phase of this uh, great reset kind of world that could, uh, these I don't even think it's them as Charlie would call it glo- the octopus of global control it's just easier to give it Charlie's name I think that they are just playing everyone I said to Charlie he came on my show last week I said I feel like they're sitting in Davos right now like cheersing with champagne watching us all pick sides and fight amongst each other and think it's about a religion or it's about Palestinians or it's about Gaza or Jews first of all I also think that they want that land this Belt and Road Initiative, and I keep saying to people, you know, there was that big thing where, like, they're not after Trump, they're after you. I don't think they're after America. I think they're after the world, and America's in the way. And anything that is America needs to be destroyed so that they can move to the next phase without America America being in the mix. And one of those big things, I think, especially with the Belt and Road Initiative, if you look at it on the map, I think they want that port right there at Gaza. I think they want that land for the Eurasian continent. If you look at the initial map of the Belt and Road Initiative, which 130 nations signed on to, this isn't just the CCP. And I, and again, both both Abbas twice and Netanyahu three times met with G. What do you think they were talking about? 
You know, it, it it's just to me, I think the whole planet, again, just like with the pandemic, just like with 9-11, just like with everything these people do uh, to get their global governance, Hunger Games world, uh, they do things in strat- strategy. And then they, I think Charlie and I also talked about that NATO uh, who also is is conveniently not involved right now? You know where are they? You know they were so involved in, in all of this. Uh, where 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 are the where's the IMF right now? Where are all the people that have changed the money? Hundreds of billions of dollars have gone into a nation the size of New Jersey and Gaza, the size of Atlantic City. Where is all this money? Like it's just it is all the same thing, in my opinion. And I think that as they watch us fight amongst each other and do their cognitive warfare and their manipulation worldwide and, you know, and feed these marches of ceasefires when there's no ceasefire to be had. I don't understand who people think they're speaking to. The people that want this to happen don't want a ceasefire. The people paying for both sides want that land flattened. They don't care about the antiquities there or people on either side. The more the, the more they can kill, in my opinion, the better. I just see this as another phase in a in a takedown of humanity by any means necessary. I always go back to when George Soros spoke at the Davos when we were all on lockdown and they were all faking it, playing along that they needed a Zoom meeting lockdown Davos. And uh, Soros went through the whole thing and he said, and if we don't do it, then we're just going to blow up the world. And I think that's basically uh, the phase we're in right now. I don't think it's working, honestly, but I do think uh, people are being very distracted by the idea that they want that land. And uh, and and the other thing that I do want to say is their their idea of removing America from the grand chest trust chessboard uh, is very dangerous for the rest of the world. And I keep saying to people, I just spoke in in Kansas City this weekend. I keep saying you better understand that the American people in this country right now are a buffer between what would happen if there was no America. Because the takedown of America, you got to realize, after that, then the CCP will fight the Muslim Brotherhood, will fight the Davos Crown billionaire oligarchy for who's going to run the world, because at that point, Russia and Europe are done. So, I mean, the hell on earth that will be spewed if they actually remove America from the map is way worse than what we're dealing with now. So, you know, I just think it's a time for humanity to stop playing along. That should be on America's business cards. Without us, you'd be a smoldering hellhole. With us, you'll be a smoldering hellhole as well, too. But it'll just be a different flavor of insanity. It's just we'll be more comfortable here. So, you know, that's, I mean, hey, sorry about your smoldering hellhole, but mistakes were made. Right. Yeah. I I do. I am. You know, I I brought it up earlier. Uh, It is funny how the people controlling the most religious, uh, you know, governments and and terrorist groups seem to be the least religious people. Uh, But, uh, you know, which, again, it's just an example of like we've been saying, you know, a lot of times they there are most most of the time they're just using it to control others uh, and and they have other intentions. But, um, yeah, you know, one other thing I also brought up too is like this concern about, you know, the lengths that we went to, uh, before, uh, or th- that they went with the scandemic and many other things to prevent Trump from running. And okay. there's, you know, so we, th- we were talking a little bit about like what possibly the next election could bring and what type of chaos could, you know, 
come from it, from preventing uh, Trump from running or whatnot. Um, do you do you have any opinions on that? Any and uh, I mean, I know you have friends in in high places. Are are you yeah, concerned yeah. about um, you know potentially how crazy the next twelve months could be? Well, it's going to be insane. Uh, but what I do know is, okay, there's a lot of hmm, um, it's a lot of stuff that Trump did not know. A lot of a lot of the people surrounding Trump, regardless of what you think of him, the man that he is now after the persecution and and hell on earth that they put him and his family through, and the man he was before this are very different people in real life, you know. And uh, and I have to tell you, he's he's very aware that a lot of the people that surrounded him um, are globalists. They. The truth is that Trump is now aware of what he wasn't before. Had he written, read some of your books, the different people on this on this panel, he would have been a lot, a lot more aware. But I think that he is also aware that the war on Trump, which isn't Trump, really. Trump is surrounded by other people that are, you know, they, he just was willing to go stand in the front lines, but not not fully aware. I don't think he was fully aware of the globalist plan. That he was getting in the way of Agenda 2030, in my opinion, is is the big game here. He was getting in the way of a very, very orchestrated uh, global governance plan, and that his um, that his war is not in America. That that, that you know the good and bad. That the takedown of Trump was above our country, and and it was really more about you know, ending America's sovereignty for this global uh, ideal of these 17 sustainable development goals that to which Trump was not really paying attention, as far as I can tell, until he could not not see it, until it was impossible to not see that the multinational corporations and the and the public private partnership of the World Economic Forum and the UN and all these people that, you know, obviously Charlie lays out really well, that this is an existential threat to everyone. And, you know, and to me, I think that the next um, the next presidency, if that comes, it'll be a real quick dismantling of that global uh, hold in America. I think he'll be pulling out the from the from the roots all the way deep to the Rockefellers back to 1912. I think that he'll be pulling that entire uh, global octopus of control, at least the tentacle that surrounds America out first. I also believe that uh, during the transition phase, because um, I, I just had on Victor Avila, who's working on the the reversing the what happened at the border stuff and, and other people. There's people that have been pulled in. They're not Trump people. They're people that are experts in what they do and, and they're not all connected. But it is about, you know, reversing a lot of this stuff. But the big thing that I think is going to happen is uh, unopposed to what, uh, you know, Mika uh, Mika, I can't believe Zig, uh, Brzezinski's kid is actually some an authority of some kind of news source in America. But um, I think the globalist agenda uh, twenty thirty, because we all know both Bushes, Clinton, Obama, Biden, they're they're all globalists. They don't give crap about America, the America. They're they're post America. The entire o Biden regime is post America. I think first things first, he's going to tear out the UN and and the entire UNESCO, World Health Organization, all of that. I think he realizes that the real threat to America is that. I think he'll, he'll also, uh, not him, but other people will also start holding BlackRock and and Vanguard and State Street and figure out what the heck happened, you know, how that's possible. So I know it sounds all rosy, but I I think that it's a, you know, he's 
the biggest threat he poses right now is to the United Nations and the World Economic Forum and their banking, international banking cartel. And I think he fully believes that uh, whatever is going on in America, it can be fixed. It cannot be fixed unless those people are removed from this country. That's, That's a point. very dangerous enemy to have. That's yes, the is. type of energy enemy that gets you killed in broad daylight, right? So, so, yeah. so again, I don't know. I mean, I want to. I want. You know, there's the part of of people that has the Trump fantasy where he comes around the corner in slow motion with the flamethrower. You know what I mean? And you go, oh yeah, you know, because you know these scumbags deserve it. But at the same time, it's like, is that or is this just going to? another or you'll be in jail moment you know where it sounds good but it doesn't actually happen i mean but i'll tell you if i had just been what through what what he has been through in the last couple years i mean you think i'm frustrated holy shit he's got it he's got some legitimate complaints about the way he's been treated i i can actually imagine a scenario in which he would want some sort of i mean he Maybe he would call it retribution. Probably shouldn't call it retribution, but he fixes, you know, to the government. I could, en- yeah. I can envision a scenario where he tried that, but also like the apparatus knows that. Yeah, well, that's why Charlie. I think you're right. It's very dangerous, but that's going to be what you hear from him probably going forward. But it's a very dangerous thing. Uh, but I do. I have a real problem on the uh, right and uh, with all the the cult like hero worship is bad you know, for this country, for everything. And I mean, there's, there's as much, there's a lot bad on the left, but there is a, a whole contingency that thinks like what you're saying, Charlie, like uh, Trump's going to, it's not really Trump. First of all, Trump is front. Um, There are good people uh, in this country still, I believe, but they're not, you know, but the truth is there is a, a whole contingent. You see them fight. They're the people that fight, you know, Trump versus DeSantis. These people, you should be on the same side. What is going on? There's a total dismantling on on the entire right. Um, That's that's very I mean, listen, there's many people in my world, especially the generals that I talk to that do not think there's going to be an election at all. So, you know, whatever yeah, we're dealing with, whatever we're MacArthur dealing with, it's that. unprecedented. It's but. Yeah, but that's why people like the people on this panel and the people that usually come on uh, this show are really the answer because it's the parallel economy. It's figuring out. So what if there is not a functioning government at all? Thank <laughs> What's God. the plan? You know? Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, first we celebrate. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and then, then after we that week figure it or out. so you know uh, yeah. Then, then yeah yeah we get we get back to work because the vast majority of all of our relationships exist in, in a relationship uh of anarchy where we don't have the government in between you and the person right. that you're trying to talk to or transact with or work with or whatever so I did. I yeah. Once once the reality sets in that there is no longer a violent, coercive, illegitimate entity, lay, just unloading with a boot on your fucking skull day in and day out. I I I think that that people will probably f- figure out it's time to get to work. We still got to do shit. We still got to feed people. We still got to build things. We still you know. But isn't there also concern of people? Well, you know, the one thing that Mel said that's really important is uh, 
you know, I do feel like the left and the right, they don't realize they're, they're fighting against the same people, you know? So the left believes, you know, they're anti-war, you know, imperialism, America, you know, expanding the empire. It's so bad. And, you know, look at all the horrors that America is responsible for. And it's like, yeah, you're, you're right. And those are bankers. Those are the military industrial complex. That's, those are people you're fighting. And then you look at like the right and they're like, Oh, American values and being patriotic. And you're trying to tear that apart. Well, guess what? Those are the same people who are trying to tear that apart also, you know, and, it's again this always goes back to divide and conquer and it's like you know you're turning people against one another when most of us want the same things we believe in the same things we have similar values i have a employee that works for me and he's um he's guatemalan and uh and you know he he asked me once because we've had so many conversations about politics and history and, and whatnot and he's like but uh, what are you, a Democrat or Republican? And I'm like, neither. <laughs> I'm like, he's like, oh, because he's like, I was always confused. I'm like, no, what's confusing, what, what sucks is that most of us, we look for those answers, right? Like we're, you're having a discussion with somebody and you, you're constantly thinking to yourself, like, wait, are they leaning left or right? You know, and it's like, it sucks that that literally is the world we live in where everybody is divided into two categories and all these issues are complex and it's like you should never agree. I mean, if you are a critical thinker and a open-minded person, I don't even see how you could agree with either one of these only two options you have all the time. It doesn't even make any sense. You know, it just, it, it's, and, and really a lot of times they're not even, you know, intellectually cons consistent with their own views. I mean, they contradict themselves all the time to fit in that box because they want to defend their team. And, um, but like even with, with, uh, my buddy, he, uh, I'm like, you know, he's like, Oh, I, I, I vote Democrat. I'm like, let me guess because immigration issues. He's like, yeah, but I'm like, but you're Christian. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, and you believe in family values. This guy doesn't, doesn't drink. He doesn't, uh, believe in premarital sex. I mean, he's a, he's a legit Christian. And, um, and I'm like, yeah, but you know, the, like the right seems to, uh, be more for those values. He's like, yeah, but I'm like, but do you see how like you can't, you don't fit in a box? I'm like, these issues are complex. I'm like, you should agree with maybe the left on some issues and the right on other issues. And that's okay. You shouldn't have to pick a team. And what sucks is because they make you pick one of two teams, there for somebody like him, there is no team. There, there's no other alternative option. There's no team. Be non -binary. Go ahead, Charlie. It could be non-binary. Yeah, I mean, but no, I mean, there's no team for anybody. There's no, you right. can, I would posit that you could be pro family unit and anti bombing the shit out of a foreign country just because a banker told you to at the same time. I would, I would posit that those are two. And I understand that like the, you know, the, there, there are people that do that, but I, it, it drives me nuts when people are like, Oh, well, you agree with the left on this or, Oh, you agree with the right on that. No, somebody from the right is saying out loud a position that I have held and have said out loud for fucking decades. So no, they agree with me on this instance, but you, the individual, have property of your thoughts and what your beliefs are and what you agree with 
not a political party, not a corporation, not anybody else. It's yours. So in those situations, that particular political party agrees with you. But lead from that position. Don't assume that you have to fit into a box somewhere or that somebody has to categorize you because you have a fundamental belief that you've held since, you know, whenever that has nothing to do with a political party in most situations. Yeah, I think this also has something to do with this these two disgusting billionaire billion dollar bohemists called Act Blue and Win Red. They are the most disgusting things in the world. Both sides are equally disgusting, greedy. They they make billions of dollars a year saying we're going to win over the other guy. We're going to win over the other guy. I think the entire dynamic of the illusion of choice is t- solely based on these two entities. And I know a lot of people that want it. And, and don't forget, you can't vote in primaries, which matter very, very much primaries, because the people will never know that they had other choices if they can knock you out before the primary. The GOP and RNC win red is, as far as I can see, even worse at knocking out any new voices, anyone that's going to challenge the status quo. These two organizations should be illegal. They should be dismantled, as I believe that about PACs. I think lobbying should be illegal. But those two, Win Red and Act Blue, are the ones that benefit the most from the two-party system. Well, Win Red is a, a money laundering operation just, for both. American they're Enterprise both. Institute and a couple of other fucking think tank fucking conglomerates in the exact same way that Act Blue has oh, at yeah. least historically been a money laundering operation operation for the clinton initiative at least right. they're at least the last decade or so yeah that they still function is why i believe why we're still even playing the left and right game because that's how they make money and believe me i, I don't go too much into the left alternative media but there is some right multi-million dollar right-wing media that really benefit financially off of the constant Pointing the finger, pointing the finger. I'm sure they're on the left too. I just have that's to see ninety-five these to ninety-seven percent of the independent media. Period. It's, uh, it's all so disgusting. <laughs> it's just so, what? and it's all about money. It really yeah. doesn't. They don't care that much about this country. They certainly don't care about power to the people. But that's how they make money, pretending that the other guy's the problem. Well, isn't it funny how uh, I've seen some censorship about, uh, you know, people who are pro-Palestinian and uh, they happen to be on the left. And I'm just like, where the fuck were you guys mad about censorship when it was on the right? Like, it just to me, it drives me crazy because it's like something we've been saying the whole time. It's like censorship is never good. And it's just a matter of time before you're the ones who are censored. And that's exactly what they're complaining about now. And it's like, well, isn't this what we're warning you about? Like, you should never be censoring anybody. Let the good ideas, you know, uh, just come up to the surface and we'll filter out the bad ideas and let everybody's voice be heard. When I was a kid growing up, the PMRC hearings were on TV. Does everybody remember this? The the parents for musical rights, whatever, Tipper Gore, all the censorship yeah, yeah. thing. And that's when I really saw for the first time that like both parties are the exact same party and that they talk out of both sides of their mouths and their abs. The one thing, the not the one thing, but one of the things that they'll absolutely agree on every time in addition to where the like, let's give money for bombs is, oh yeah, let's take away people's ability to say what they want to say in a manner yep. that speaks to them and other people. Yes, it's always been very popular to try and silence people um, incrementally, 
to the extent that they can. One little addendum to that uh, yes. from the bottom of my heart. Fuck you, D. Snyder. Yeah, what a cunt he's turned into, huh? Oh, dude. To go back and watch D. Snyder from the PMRC hearing, dude. <laughs> You'll just be fueled with... It'll make you want to go find all of the Aquanet left in the world, pull up to his house in whatever bumfuck hole in Jersey he actually lives in, and just spray it all with a flamethrower right behind you just at the right moment you go ahead and D and that pile of fucking whatever mangled recycled straw stapled to his skull now is gonna yep. is gonna go the way that he should wait but I might be misremembering this wasn't he fighting for uh you know against the, the censorship wasn't he yeah, he was anti-censorship and in general had the attitude that you shouldn't trust your government nor nor anyone associated with your government as a, a baseline. He wasn't going to take it anymore. <laughs> but until he told everybody to take it in the arm to get into the CS concerts. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, yeah. That's, that's called selling out. Yeah. It, um, it, let's, let's wrap it up. Uh, let's... Mel, where are you? Where can people find your work? Where's the Mel K show being? Thank you again for having me on. It's it's always fun to to chat with you. What do you mean? Thank you for having you on. It's my I, I see you on the schedule. I know it's going to be a great day. So thank you. Um, I uh, I'm sorry I was late today. I was I was talking to some whistleblowers about the board. I mean, there's so much going on. It, it's so crazy. Every day is is a circus. Uh, I am on. Uh, my main hub is Rumble, but I am on the MelKShow.com, and uh, everywhere free speech exists. Uh, of course, that doesn't include YouTube, or I, I don't do a lot of uh, other stuff, but I am there, and uh, I'm very grateful to be here, and I'm a big fan of everyone on this show, so thank you for having me. Thanks for coming, Mel. Uh, Nature Boy, what's going on? How's Chuck doing? Good, as far as I've heard, so it's all good. Um, thanks everybody for letting me come on here. I always feel honored every time I could sit down and hang out with you guys. Um, I could be found on Twitter at the real nature boy. And I am in pre-production of my very first show called oh, naughty oh. by nature with nature boy and naughty is spelled N A U T I like nautical. So it's very fitting. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, Ricky, you were my muse. You were the one that inspired me, my friend. <laughs> Listen, even if your show sucked, and it definitely will not, and you were just saying gibberish, people might listen just because you have the best voice in radio. Let's be Read honest. Read off a fucking cookbook. <laughs> just do that. I mean, I, my dude. Say, so today we will just pick page 68 of the Webster Dictionary, and I will read off every word. I'll tell you what you can you can set up a whole Patreon at a tier level where you just read shit at people that they send you. You could do the your problem is you don't have people in your corner that are successfully exploiting that buttery voice. <laughs> I'm for hire. You know, not yet, at I'll, least. Well, you know, I will work for yeah. money. Yeah. But I will not sell out. We'll, I, I need to get a sign, you know, one of those cardboard signs that says, we'll talk for food. Yeah, you could be like the golden voice guy that they found on the side of the road. That guy, remember him? 
Yeah. Then he decided this is for the birds. I'm going back to slamming heroin. And Steve, you don't what's going even on? give them. You don't even give them your voice. You don't. You have it recorded. You don't talk to them specifically. You know, you just play the recording, and it says if you want the real voice, that starts at. Yeah, that's it. You know, and then you give them nine seven six. Monday through through Friday, seven to ten on uh, Rockfin and Rumble and uh, Twitter, and uh, soon to be FreeWorld FM with the great Billy Ray Valentine. Um, we're we're giving you your news. Uh, to, I don't know. It's a solid year early. Usually, yeah. Usually, um, Fridays the new Prisoners podcast uh, takes over the channel, and they've been doing some excellent work. Uh, yeah. Shout out to to Six and Lisa and those guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's a magical time. Uh, I it's uh, yeah. You you get apocalypse prep. You get dick jokes. You get fascinating interviews. Uh, and, and yeah, you get your information early. AMWakeUpShow.com for absolutely everything. As always, it is an honor to be on the best ensemble podcast in the multiverse. Thank you, Steve. Tease. Thanks for putting together the Pueblo event with uh, oh, you yeah. and Steve, by the way. That was fun. Uh, Lindsay Sherman and I and, and Johnny went down there and let, let, <laughs> we got done and somebody came up to me and they go, I was on my way to the bathroom. They go, nice... Uh, set and i was like yeah i mean it felt like because we were up on stage talking for two hours it felt kind of like a kind of like what i imagine sam uh feels like right except we weren't really trying to be funny but we were up there in front of the audience trying not to get heckled it was fantastic hearing uh hearing an audience reaction that was that was great that was great yeah even from the you know just from here yeah yeah teeth thank you man yeah, yeah thank for you sure for everything uh so yeah no that thanks for doing it uh we appreciate you making yourself present to make the uh, present all the more a gift so thank you for that uh as far as the show that i host and what i do uh, uh well i'm an artist and I study this stuff all the time, and I try and make a resource that you can use to reach out to the just beginning to wake up folks in your life. And you can go to conspiracysynergy.com to be able to watch that and then share it with your friends and family so that they can start to understand reality and get introduced to all of the alternative media, including the wonderful folks here today. And I also co-host the Wednesday segment of AM Wake Up with Steve. So those are the two places you can check in to and check out me. Thanks for having me on, everyone. Awesome. Thanks for being on. Uh, I want to mention Makia Freeman from the freedomarticles.com, the freedomarticles.com. Good place to find Makia's work. And I was happy to have him on uh, Macroaggressions this last week. He's, he's, a, he's a real dude. Ricky, what's cooking over at the Ripple Effect? So uh, I actually looking up my schedule just because I'm always like, I don't know who's going on. Uh, but uh, Cra- uh, Craig also known as Pasta, was on uh, a week or two ago. I'm going to hopefully release that, like I, I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, hopefully within the next 24 hours. Uh, we talked a lot about current events and, and historical you know, uh, stuff and all that stuff. So it's a fun co- discussion, obviously. And then uh, I had Jack Roth on uh, recently, 
who uh, he's written a bunch of books, but he uh, he came on to talk about the JFK assassination again, obviously with the anniversary around the corner and uh, went deep into that and the ripple effects of that event and and all that stuff. And then uh, actually Tony Merkel is coming on, um, I think, this week. And then I got also Jason from the Free Thought Project coming on. Um, and then, uh, and then also, but, uh, two things I did want to mention because this is, these were two documentaries that were really influential in, um, just my understanding of the Middle East. Uh, one is Promises and Betrayals, Britain and the Struggles for the Holy Land. A very good documentary, which, uh, I know back in the day you used to be able to find on YouTube. Um, I'm sure you still can somewhere. And then also, uh, Blood and Oil, the Middle East in World War One. And uh, those are two phenomenal documentaries, which will really give you a great background on, you know, the fall of the Ottoman Empire and a lot of the stuff that happened in the Middle East, a lot of the conflicts. And uh, they go pretty deep into everything. And uh, like I said, I'm pretty sure you can find them on YouTube. But yes, it's very important to trace your steps backwards when something happens and find out how do we get here? Because uh, history doesn't always repeat, but it typically rhymes. So um I mean, that's not my line. I wish I could give credit. That's too good of a line to be mine. That was somebody's line. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And and uh, again, who who are we missing? Everybody? Oh, of course. The OB Damn Show. The funniest show on Sam. Sam and the OB. Sam, Sam Tripoli. SamTripoli.com. Tinfoil hat. Go check out Sam's stuff. He couldn't be here tonight. And, of course, OBDM. Yeah. Uh, uh, com or OurBigDumbMouth.com. Check it out. For all your Arby's news. Man. The less Mike uh, seems excited about plugging his own show, the more people want to go listen. <laughs> I wish that was true. It's, it's, not, some, it's not some kind they've of reverse psychology. A, they've set a goal. What is your goal for subscribers? Four million? Four million subscribers, yes. Four million subscribers. So we're going to need you to subscribe. To yeah. I mean, I don't need it. I'm not, I have nothing to do with it. But I just think it would be funny if you actually did get four million subscribers. It would be great. I wouldn't know what to do with it. Yeah, Maybe. I you're have to tune in for Alex Jones clips of the week. That was my highlight of my Wednesday. It's the fun. It's the funniest show in the world. I'm telling you. I'm it, you have, no, but you also have to have like a, a pretty good sense of humor. I think to, that's why Steve and like Alex Jones, Tease and and Mike shows are so essential because, like we saw happen in this discussion today, it's effing depressing sometimes, and you need to detach a little bit or add some humor to what's going on um i talked about mel said it and i talked about it earlier in, in this episode like it's there's so many times throughout my day of research where i just feel confused and overwhelmed with information and i don't even know what to do with uh, to do with it and i think that you know we do need to detach sometimes and just laugh about it find some humor in it and uh and you know find the positive you know in the world and don't forget there's still a lot of great people out there and there's still a lot of beauty in the world and we should also enjoy it even while taking you know our deep dives into the darkness of the world so um yeah you know listen to the obdm show and am wake up and check out uh conspiracy synergy and uh if you want a uh you know a alternative to Mel, Charlie, and my more depressing shows where we just tell right. you about how shitty things are <laughs> and how bad right. they might get. Right. Well, thanks, everyone. Enjoy. Have a good night. See you guys. Take care. Night, everybody.